Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Jeff, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. I had to talk to your social secretary, Nathan Clevenger. Uh, exactly. To arrange the, 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 the schedule to get you on List Builder Studio. But we're super excited. You haven't been beaten in a while. I've been very fortunate for about two and a half years. Part of that was COVID, so I only, I only played like three tournaments last year. Why don't you just give us a little bit of background on what, you know, what events did you go to over the last couple of years? And you- uh, Siege of Augusta two years ago, which we played before the COVID. Was very fortunate. Had six year losses that on the last turn I got the die roll that I needed. Then I played in Nathan's tournament in Birmingham. Forge. Forge Forge GT. Mm -hmm. And did well there. And then played Siege again. Yep. And then played Axe Grinder Chattanooga. And then Mike had a tournament. Small, sort of a small tournament. Circle of Iron. Circle of Iron. But it's the first one we'd had in a long time. Yeah. Like 22, 23 That's awesome. And a lot of good players. Yeah. Where where did he hold that at? In the middle of nowhere. Okay. Well, those Uh, are the best kind of tournaments. Right at the intersection of Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia. Okay. My GPS did not say it existed. So, uh, but it was good. A lot of fun. So, uh, those, I guess, are the last five that I've played. You know, to win a tournament, you've got to have a good list. Mm Mm-hmm. You got to be a pretty good player. You got to hope you don't get the wrong guy on the wrong table or gal. And mm-hmm. you got to hope you don't get the wrong guy or gal with the wrong mission. And then you got to be lucky. I've been way lucky. I've had two or three turn sixes where I'm losing and I make the die roll to go to turn seven. That's a 50 50 roll. There's no skill in that. That's just luck. Uh, well, you hit on the head, though, to, to win a big event of any, you know, when you're talking 30 players or more. Yeah. You got to have some luck. You got to have the matchups. Scenarios got to be in your favor. You got to have the die rolls when you need them. Yeah. You know, and and you you've been awfully lucky then. I have. <laughs> well, you know, uh, let's say over those five tournaments, I've played 30, 33 games, spending what was five or six mm-hmm. games. I would tell you I beat somebody fifteen times, and I would tell you probably eighteen times things went my way. I can't explain it. Exactly. I mean, the, the weighted dice don't hurt, but I mean, it's still you just. I've been very fortunate. Well, obviously, we're with Jeff O'Neill. Everybody, everybody's heard of you. You're, you're like the boogeyman, yeah. right? But people don't know you. So give us a little little bit of background on Jeff. Well, it's funny you say don't know me. My favorite story to tell people was Masters three years ago. Chicago? Yes. And I'm playing Joey Greek, and there's two guys behind me. And I'm not going to say what region they're from, but they're like, I don't know where that O'Neill guy is. I want to go see his army. And then it became three guys. And it ultimately became all eight of them. <laughs> and they're standing behind me saying, we want to go see his army. We want to make sure he's got the right unit count. We, we just hear all these bad things about him. And they're just going to town. And Joey is like ready to come across the table and say, guys, shut up. We're playing. Jeff's standing right here. But we didn't. <laughs> finally, we're done. And I turn around. And I said, let me introduce myself. I'm Jeff O'Neill. <laughs> and the eight of them are like, Oh, man, we didn't mean anything by it. I said, look, no harm, no foul. I said, but not sure everything you've heard is accurate. And ended up playing one of them. We had a great game. I'm from Birmingham. That would be Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. That's right. War Eagle, by the way. Exactly. So are you an an Auburn guy? Auburn guy, yeah, born and bred. Okay. uh, Been there for... 60 years. I'm this. I'll be 61 here next month. Started playing this about five years ago. I used to be a 40k player, and I did not like 
the person that made me. I felt it was an environment where cheating was encouraged, and when you got caught cheating, you were rewarded by the TO. Misinterpreting rules was a skill, but I was competitive. And I'm yeah. like, I, do unto me, I'm going to do unto you. Exactly. And I just became a brutal, unpleasant, difficult person, mm -hmm. but everybody I played was the same way. And then I got introduced to this, and our group changed. And I'm going to say the quality of the Kings of War community has been simply outstanding. I don't have a single unfortunate story to tell. Nobody has cheated me. No yeah. one has misunderstood. Well, you didn't play Sean in 2016 in Yeah. <laughs> I play Sean every week, so, you know, his level of cheating I'm comfortable with. But, you know, I, I don't have a unfortunate interpretation. I don't have right. a rules, a ruling from a judge that I felt was unfair. I mean, I've played people who have beat me by being smarter, better, better list, better die rolling, better tactics. And, man, when it's over, I can check their hands. And, but I do walk away with what did they do better, and I try to make that added to my own. You, know, you, correct, you correct your own, whatever you're doing, add something to your list to help you mitigate it. Yeah. Almost my whole army, if you wanted to pick something, I can tell you who I got that from. I'm, right. I was never... You mentioned Sean. We're, yeah. we're good buddies. Sean Williams, obviously, yeah. from same club, Sons of Vulcan, down in Birmingham. We pick up a new game system, and Sean, very sharp, picks it up quick, beats the crap out of me. But every time he beats me, I walk away with something. And there'll come a point a year into it where we get even. Right. And then, once I figure the game out, I'm hard to beat. Well, and given the rate of change in, in Kings of War, which is slow, we don't... Yeah. There's not, like, codexes every month. Once you figure it out... It can stay that way for a while unless the other person makes changes to their list. Right, right. So anyway, I played, started playing Kings of War four years ago. The, the first two years, I played Orcs, my favorite army, and had mediocre success. And then I went to a couple of tournaments and just watched. I didn't play. I watched. And I noticed, in my opinion, light terrain, shooting armies did well, characters did well. Mm -hmm. And so I finally went to a tournament in Chattanooga and played Keith Randall. I had an all-foot goblin army. He had a shooty elf army. I never rolled the dice. He just never, shot you off the table. Yeah, never yeah. got in a hand-to-hand, -hand, never did anything. So I went back and said, I'm going to shoot. Well, a month later, we play at NashCon, and he walks up, and he looks at my army. He goes, that's a lot of shooting. And I said, yeah, and it's all got your name on it. That was the genesis of my shooting army. It has not changed dramatically. Slightly different models here and there, but the concept's still the same. But now I've been playing it for three years. How'd you get into tabletop wargaming? Did it in high school. I used to play Napoleonics, and we had a local hobby shop, and we'd meet on Saturday, about 30 guys. I was by far the youngest, and we played on a massive table where there'd be 15 guys per side, and one would be the ultimate general, and Loved it. Yeah, and you'd have the little peons that are like, oh, you command this regiment and this flank. Yeah, That's right. It's cool, though. It was. It was fun. Grand tactical game. Got out of it when I got out of college, and then that was about 82. And then 94, I had an opportunity to get back in. And uh, in, in fact, my local game store owner gave me one orc and mega armor for free because I kept looking at it. He said, just take it. I've probably wasted $100,000 on miniatures since that. It was like cocaine. I'm going to give you one hit. <laughs> the first hit's free. The first exactly. Hit's free. But like I said, I played 40K almost exclusively 94 through whatever. You know, one, one question we usually ask people, you know, how is your gaming, you know, what gaming scenes have you been part of? You've been part of 40K. You've had historicals. Played bolt action. Bolt action. Towards the end of the 40K. Loved it. What did you like about it? Skirmish. I mm -hmm. love that. I love the terrain. We played on beautiful boards, beautiful models. Uh, the community I I like for the most part it was too small and 
And what I mean by that, Sean and I would go to... You were playing the same people over and over again. Right. And we went to five events, and we played in five finals in a row, and we're like, why aren't we driving to Dallas? Doesn't make any sense. Raleigh play each other. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Why is the scene small, do you think? I don't know. It's a great game. It's quick. It's fun. Not hard to learn. Uh, maybe oh. the nuances are... The alternating activations with the... with the I love it. With the, with the dice are really cool, too. That game mechanic is my favorite game mechanic in any game. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and, and what... Well, like I said, we really enjoyed it, but our group locally played it, but not a lot of people played it elsewhere. Then Sean identified Kings of War, big tournament scene, and once we went, we were hooked. I mean, we yeah. liked the people. I love the rules. They're easy to understand. Yeah, the nuance is, can you play each unit to its best? And I think this game rewards making a lot of slightly better decisions each and every turn. There's no automatic win build. So you mentioned rules. You know, are there other things about Kings of War that attracted you and keeps you in Kings of War over the other systems that are out there? You know, a game is two hours, two hours, ten minutes. So on a weekend, we can get together and play two or three games. Well, you're playing four tomorrow. That's a lot. Let's be honest, that's a lot. But it's Kings of War, so it's manageable. The community, we, we got 64 good players here, several outstanding players who will play a hard game, and the minutes it's over, they'll shake your hand. And, good game. You and get your butt kick, whatever. It. Yeah. I mean, with COVID, I haven't seen a lot of these people in 18 months. So it's been great to renew friendships. And what I like, you and I can play the same armies. If we play three different missions on three different boards, it's three different games. And not a lot of game systems work. I mean, when I played 40K Orcs, it was the same result every time I played you. I knew what was going to happen before we rolled the first dice. Absolutely. You know, because in this game, we don't roll a lot of dice. In 40K, okay, I'm rolling 300 dice. And ultimately, I need you to fail three saves. Well, you're going to fail three saves if I'm starting off with 300 dice. Exactly. You know, here, oh, great, I got five attacks. I hope to God I hit with one. Exactly. You know, so I think there's a lot more, I don't mean this ugly, but stress on every die roll because nothing's certain. Every time you roll the dice, I hope I get three hits. I hope I get two wounds. I hope I roll a good nerve test. And that makes the game very engaging. You're, I mean, you and I are focused for two and a half hours or two hours and ten minutes. Exactly. And I don't get that from a lot of other game systems. Absolutely. Well, what's your favorite game system of all time? Even one that maybe nobody plays anymore. It may be bolt action as far as a game mm -hmm. system, but the community it wasn't big enough to stay engaging. Right. I'm going to say the Kings of War has maybe been the best combination of rules, people, and competition. It's, I mean, it's been around for 10-plus years at this point, you know, and I think it's, it's, I don't know, second edition really was a good step forward. Even third edition, I think, was another step forward. Yeah. So, All right, well, let's get into the meat of this. Let's give us your Kings of War credentials. Give us your bona fides, well, as you might say in Birmingham. Well, you've officially given me my soapbox. Absolutely. I've heard a comment about me several times. I'm a great list builder, and I'm an okay player. <laughs> So I don't know. Did I, I say that? No, you've never said that. <laughs> so I don't know if I have any credentials. The first two years, I never did better than like three and two, four and two in a tournament. Was that when you were playing with orcs? orcs. Yeah. Then I made the switch to goblins, and then the last three years have been very fortuitous. I've probably won in the southeast two or three tournaments a year. Last year I won two. There were only two. This right. year I think I've won the the three that we've played so far mm -hmm. at Masters. Four years ago or three years ago, I think I came in battle points. I think I came in like fourth. Mm -hmm. My paint score took me down to like 27th, which I'm still bitter about. Good. Yeah, I showed up with a goblin army with black outfits, no flags, 
and they were dirty and grimy like I perceive right. goblins that live in a mountain under a mountain with lit light. Absolutely. And someone told me my army does not look like elves. And so that's why they rated me so low. <laughs> does it look like elves? So I went back and painted everybody with red cows. Mm-hmm. And I added two to four banners on every unit that are lime green, hot yellow, That's awesome. Pink. And now everybody goes, oh, now you look like elves. So now you're a great painter. And I'm like, this is not a freaking elf army. <laughs> we live in caves. We wouldn't have banners. No. But, but, but if you're going to play the tournaments, you got to know what's expected. And if they play, want, play paint to the rubric or whatever, you right. know, yeah. And they want your army bright. So they I do. repainted my army to be bright. It's okay. very bright now. Okay. Lots of reds and yellows. Yes. So the second year I went back, I think I, both years I went five and one. So I was yeah. finished the top three or four and probably with paint ended up overall about eighth or ninth. So I was very fortunate, played great players. I, I mean, that's my first two masters was a who's who of opponents. I mean, I played. Well, I remember you played Dustin. That was a great game. Yes. Aaron Chapman was a great game. There's, you've got a lot of heavy hitters that you've crossed paths with. Yeah. I played Sean. I played Keith Randall. I think Alex Chavez I've played. I mean, but, you know, when it was over, I would drive home and go, I played four of the top ten guys. You know, so it wasn't easy, but I didn't have a bad experience. Every one of them, top-notch people. Good players, great list. Yeah, and, and and that might be the hallmark of we we said this already. That might be the hallmark of Kings of War is the community. And and I and I I, I have a hypothesis that the way the rule system doesn't really lend to gotcha gaming um, or like tricking you or extreme lists that are like, oh, you didn't know this was coming. I'm gonna punch you now. Maybe it attracts a different type of player. And there's nothing wrong with the folks that like 40k and then build a list that you can't beat. That's that's a viable gaming system. But that attracts a different kind of player than Kings of War, where you're you're compensated for a toolbox and being able to handle all the different scenarios and all the different matchups. And I, I agree. And look, I love my opponent to walk up and say, "Jeff, I put the best army together possible. I'm going to play you, and I'm going to kick your ass." <laughs> yeah. Because they're going to play by the rules. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to win. And if they win, they're going to be happy, which yep. they're entitled to. But if they lose, they're going to reach out, shake my hand, and say, good job. Right. I love playing those people. They're, yeah. they're easy to understand. It's an easy game. I always fear the person who walks up to the table and goes, I'm fluffy. I like everything to be pink. And if you kill one of my units, I'm going to give you a zero sportsmanship. Oh, right. Because yeah. you're such a mean person. And yeah. I, those are the people I'm like, oh, God, please, no. That's not a problem in, in this room at the Masters. No. Because everybody here has the same expectations for a hard game. But you do go to a one-off event maybe down in Birmingham, and you may attract a person that's more into the softer side, has a narrative list, it's not optimized. Their expectation for the game is different than, than your expectation for the game. Right. Sometimes... It will manifest in, in <laughs> nefarious things. Sports scoring is a whole a whole animal onto itself, which is another reason why Masters is unique, right? It's battle. I mean, the rest of the stuff is just, you know, pomp and circumstance or putting lipstick on a pig. But at the end of the day, it's battle. Well, we, we're very fortunate. We got friends in Nashville, friends in Memphis, friends in Chattanooga, friends in Atlanta mm-hmm. who will come over and play, or we'll go to their place and play. And those games were for fun. Yeah. Rob, you could call me and say, Jeff, I want you to play the foot goblin army with, with no shooting. And, yeah. And we will. We'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. We'll stop that game halfway through, change some things. Right. We'll let you redo some stuff. And it is meant solely for fun. Exactly. Then we play tournaments that don't count towards masters. Right. And 
I've taken some armies that did very poorly to those events right. and had a ball. And then there's master qualifying events where I'm going to come with my You're here to win. Game. You're here to win. And I would tell you 90% of the people I play are okay with that. 10%, oh, you're a bad person. You should not want to win. And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's called a tournament. No. It, yeah. Yeah, like I said, it, it's, it's that thing where there's some people there that have different expectations when they show up to the table. And the good news is that typically after game one, people kind of find their way to where they need to be. So those fluff bunnies are usually down a little bit, mid-tables are lower, and they're finding people that have the matching expectations. And the people that, you know, the, the, the heavy hitters, they're at the top and they're, they're playing uh, people that are like-minded. So yeah. Anyway, back to your question. So that's sort of the credentials. We're very fortunate, Sons of Vulcan. We have, between at any one time, four to eight people that play. Yes. Most have been the masters. Most I mean, the, the big ones are obviously Nathan Clevenger and Nate. Sean Williams. Yes. And Jason Britt, Jason. who now has jumped shipped over to the Mid-Atlantic. And Ryan Johnson. And Ryan Johnson, great player. Ryan, Where's Ryan. Ryan been? I haven't seen him in a while. We've been playing some. He went to the Axe Grinder tournament. Okay. But um, Ryan's our brilliant tactician. Yeah. The problem is he tells Sean and I what to do. And, and then you do it. Yeah. And then you win. But he's the mastermind behind that. But we've got a group that plays every week. We play two or three games a week. We, a lot of times, they'll go on Monday, have lunch together, and just debrief. You know, because... At our weekly games, that's where we try crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. What, work, what, and I'll tell you, Rob, this is what I think you should do different. And you right. don't have to listen, but sometimes your opponent's perspective is slightly different than yours. There's always ways to improve. That's why I think I like Twinks of War. Small little tweaks can, can reap huge benefits. Well, and that, you know, once again, getting on my soapbox. A lot of people say my army, my list is very good. Never heard anybody say that you've played it 300 times, and maybe you're using the tools well. Right. Never once been accused of that. Playing a lot of games over three years with the same army allows me to fine-tune it just a little bit. And and that may be the difference between me and an opponent. I may be doing 51% of the things right, where he's only doing 49%, and that 2% means I win. We are almost the same, but I'm slightly better. And it's I always get frustrated people show up at a tournament and go, I've never played this army right. before. This is my first time to try it. And then when they lose, they're mad because I beat them. And I'm like, is it because you're taking a new army that you haven't learned? Yeah, you bring up something, though, that's important. You know, it's a, an important tip is that play your army and play it and play it. Because you see the younger players, or newer players getting into the game, and they play they play the game. Oh, I got beat. I'm going to totally throw it out and start over. Analyze it. Take the pieces that are actually working and slow incremental change is the way you hone a, a list. Exactly. Think about it. How is your armor five any different than my armor five? Exactly the same. My war gear options are the exact same war gear options you Now, your special character may be different than mine, but our hordes are almost identical. Our infantry hordes are almost identical. You know, some of these pieces that are so outstanding are available to a bunch of people, mm-hmm. either through your own army lists or through allies. And so feel like a lot of the tools we all have are similar, very similar. It's how you use it. You know, I mean, I love hearing people analyze my goblin army and tell me what's wrong with it. You know, right. this sucks. This doesn't, this doesn't kill anything. Maybe that's not the job for that item. Maybe that job, its job is to go claim an objective. Maybe that job is to be a chaff unit, even though it doesn't look like a chaff. But I mean, so it's not what it is, it's how it's used. That's why you, you can't really take a net list. If you take a list from somebody else and you don't know what the tools are supposed to be used for, you're playing it differently than the way it was created. And so it's it's more than just the sum of its parts. It's, it's how you, 
we all can have wrenches, but depending on how you use the wrenches. The more you play an army, I mean, I always ask myself the question, how can I win a game without killing anything? If I kill you, okay, great, I win. That's easy. How can I stand back and do nothing to you and win a game? And most of the time you can't, but there's times you can. I mean, I took the Forge two years ago when we had the 2,700 points. I took a goblin fleabag list. Couldn't kill nothing. Literally nothing. But you can win some scenarios. Yes, you can. Because you can just be like, all right, well, you're going to kill 90% of my army, but I'm going to have one or two units holding these objectives at the end of the game. And I actually find that that, those, that that kind of play is where the real fun is, where you're not really focused on just killing. That's something we've, we've kind of, I don't know, it's, it's almost passe at this point. All the other game systems we've played, it's like that's the whole goal. Just wipe the person out. Yeah. But this scenario play is a lot different. Well, you're close to my heart. My mad scientist list is my goblin flea bag army. Mm-hmm. And I've tried everything possible. It does not work. And then about two months ago, I tried something different. I am convinced a flea bag army cannot go across the table and kill you. If I can make you come to me, it will blow you off the table. I need my opponent to come to me. So now that whole army concept is what can I do to make you come to me? So you need a few. What are you taking like a few war engines, or what? What are you? What are you making them to draw them in? Well, okay. The the objective game. Mm-hmm. If I place half of my half the objectives or more on my back table edge. You can't beat me unless you come over. If I take three or four rabble regiments and put them on the very back table edge in a control game, I've got unit strength. you got to come to me. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's just and going through each scenario and figuring out, well, uh, the damn loop scenario. Well, what? one of those spider hordes mm-hmm. moves forward 10, twists, mm-hmm. touches the objective, exactly. and then drops it 10 inches further back. The next it, game's over. Yeah, exactly. That was probably the easiest yeah. scenario to play. So I'm going through trying to figure out how each scenario I can force you to come. Because I know in my heart I cannot come across the table. From the front, spiders are just, or the, or the flea bag cavalry is just not good enough. But if I can get some side charges, it can be an avalanche that you can't, once it starts, you can't stop. You talked to a few different armies, orcs and goblins. What other armies um, have you played in Kings of War? Or, or I should say, what armies do you play? How's that? Orcs and goblins played all cavalry, human armies. My masterpiece that no one has ever seen me play in a tournament scene is my salamander army. It is the best paint job and conversions that I can do. And I've been painting on it for years. And When are we going to see it? I'm almost... You're waiting for the tournament that doesn't count or the, the tournament where it's the hobby, the fluff bunny tournament. Well, no, <laughs> it's, I, I don't have some of the right pieces. Right. But I have been... COVID, I added about 15 units to that army. I think I have the pieces. Okay. And that'll be the one. I don't know how I'll do, but I might get a good paint score because it is one dragon scale may have six colors on it. Nice. And dragons have a lot of scales. They do have a lot yeah. of scales. And y'all may look at it and go, we hate it, but I love it. It, it is what I think. Well, at the end of the day, right. paint is an eye of the beholder, right? Like, yeah. And, and you should only paint for yourself. <laughs> I don't really care what other, other people think. You know, and my hordes have 40 Salamanders. Four or full model count. And I mean, it looks formidable. Exactly. You know, the, the base is thick, so they're tall, they're thick. I mean, when you look at it, you're like, what is that? Mm-hmm. You know, but that that's probably an army I would like to play more. But but I've taken my time. I mean, every yeah. unit has taken a month or two. That's good. I, we've seen lots of goblins, but how often do you change it up? What what makes you change up the army? I mean, what would make you go, oh, I'm done with goblins and I want to switch to something else? When you start, when you start losing or what's the... like? 
Yeah, I would love to do well here, but these are the best of the best. These are experienced, talented people. Honestly, if you finish top ten here, you have a lot to be proud of. Mm-hmm. If I could do... Well, you're here. That's something to begin with, right? Yes, it is. You're one out of 64 players in the country. But if I could do really well here, that would be a goal. Then I'd probably just change armies. Yeah. And, and Salamanders? Probably. 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 And, and, and the Spider Army. That, that's an army... I feel like it could be that army that someone couldn't beat, but I'm still... Not cool. what, what's the basic premise of the army? It's lots and lots of flea bags. Is that the, the core of the army? Probably one or two flea bag hordes. Probably five or six flea bag regiments. Probably four or five flea bag troops. Okay. And all the characters on flea bags. Yeah. The whole army's move very fast. I'll move in nine. So I hit or, you yeah. first. Yeah. And if I can hit you hard enough, you can't recover. But I have proven to myself I cannot go across the table against an infantry army sitting still and beat it. If they're letting you hit them on their terms. Behind a wall or in terrain, you've got to make them come to you. It makes sense. It's I have to. Got to get them out of that. Get them out of their comfort zone. And that's it. But I mean, I said that's been a, an experiment that has not worked so far. I mean, Nate and Sean and Ryan are probably beating that army a hundred times and love it. It's a fun army. It is a fun army. And it's just like the only time I played it, it was like it looks like an army. It looks like the whole table's covered in goblins riding flea bags. Yes, and it's every spider in my army is colorful. Yeah. Are you using the GW Spider Riders? Yeah, yeah, I did. Just because those I are awesome. Many of them. And they had them in the starter set, right? From yes. Skull Pass, I think. Yeah. So, and so they're probably not too hard to come by. Yeah, recently, Goblin and Goblin Spider Rider prices have skyrocketed. Really? I mean, for for the last four or five years, I could probably get them for thirty cents each. Yeah. Now they're as much as a dollar fifty. Holy cow! I don't know if I've bought them all up, or because uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll buy Goblin Spearman. Whenever I get a good buy, yeah. I try to keep about 100 in my bits box. Yeah. But I also maybe paint two or three goblin units a month. So, I mean, I'm always... When are you going to be done with goblins, or you're never going to be done with goblins? I don't know. I've got about 10 40-liter boxes of goblins. I've got every unit to its max. Right. I mean, you know, I've got like 10 chariot hordes. I've got 10 troll hordes. Are you a big army game Play, like, do you play the big thirty thousand point games, or you're just a hoarder and just love to have all the different arm, you know, all the different units and multiples of everything? I always joke that one day someone's gonna call and say, "Bring all your goblins." Okay, I'm gonna be ready for that phone call. Okay. In 40k, we used to do the big games that would mm-hmm. take two days. To play. Right. We have not done that with Kings of War. And I will say, I think Kings of War does not scale up well when the table is so crowded that maneuver is no longer possible. It's not a good game. So it's the same problem we had in Warhammer Fantasy Battle, where once you get to the point where you've got units in front of units in front of units, that it doesn't really matter at that point. Exactly. You're just you're sort of just stuck. It's a. I'll be honest with you. I think a 1500 point game is incredibly hard to play because now maneuver is all that matters. It's very. Yes. You don't have enough shooting to hurt a regiment in one turn, and there's tons of open spaces. Yep. You can't cover all the angles. It's really. Smaller the game is more yeah. difficult. All right, well, let's get into the List Builder Studio. Are you ready, Jeff? Yes. The List Builder Studio. First question, what draws you to an army? First thing I want to do is decide what I want to do. Then I build an army to provide the tools to let me do what I want to do. So are you thinking in terms of, like, how it plays on the table? Or is it, you know, so how, or is it, like... 
you're trying to take advantage of a uh, perceived uh, maybe an advantage or you're trying to show you can mitigate a weakness or in, in kings of war i think having the initiative is the most important thing so how did i do that it was either speed or shooting mm-hmm. i tried speed that didn't get it for me so now i went to shooting i want an army that can dictate the pace make you do something you don't want to do because the minute we do that you're at a disadvantage and i want an army that you can't dictate to oh i'm gonna set everything up on the right flank yeah i don't care i'm set on the left flank. I you're don't just care. so you, you like that army where you just you do you i do me. and you play your game i'm not gonna say it doesn't really matter what the opponent does but if you have an army that's dictating the pace and the gameplay then it's sort of forcing them to come you know to to play your game and i mean every guy's got his favorite unit yeah what's your favorite unit do you have a favorite unit? The wingets. The wingets, yeah. They they're do pretty, everything. They're pretty. I love. We them. were talking on the way up. It, it, yes, the eye in the sky is great. Three hit, three shots, but blasty three hitting on fours with piercing one and vicious. Those are pretty good. Like they can do some real damage. They, they, they do, and that's what everybody talks about. And that's not it. What 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 is if, it? If they didn't shoot, I'd still take them. Yeah. Because at one point in a game, me blocking. One unit sure. may win the game. And it flies. And you it can, flies. And I go right in front of you, stop you, you kill it. And it's height three, right? So you can yeah. see over a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. it's turn four, and you're three moves away from an objective. Yep. I fly a wing it over, put it in front of you, sacrifice it, and go, game's over, because now you can't get there. Right. Well, you hit on one thing. You know, obviously, that's a Keith Randall play, too, right? With yeah. flyers in his Kingdom of Men army that he had back in the day. And then the, and then the objective grabbing. Right. I fly around, I shoot, I do a little bit here and there. Whoops, turn five, I go flying to the objectives. Exactly. You know, and so now my opponent, I'm forcing you to hunt the wingets. And I'm not going to make it easy. I'm going to make you shoot at range, I'm going to make you shoot in the cover. And when you wound one, it's going to go hide. And you spend the game chasing wingets, the rest of my army gets more mm-hmm. effective. So the wingets just. They're all around very good. I may not be a good player, but I'm a good winget player. Right. I have learned how to use them, and they do well for me. And minor models is three goblins riding three flying pterodactyls. I trick myself sometimes in thinking they're dragons, <laughs> and they are not. And sometimes I get burned, but right. but they are just, I love them. Right. Well, that's a good segue. Do you consider army fluff? You know, do you, like theme Do you, when, you're, when, you're, when you're building your list? Well, we joke, and I tell everybody I'm a fluffy player because I got goblins in every unit. <laughs> That's true. You, ha- of, you have a strong theme. A lot of goblins. goblins. I got trolls. Right. You I, don't have. You don't play with trolls, right? No, no. I love trolls, but theme. I hate, I'm gonna be honest. Doesn't matter. Yep. I'm looking at my toolbox. Yep. I want as many variables as possible. I want as many options as possible. And I want to have sometimes redundancy if I can get that. Well, that's a big thing. Redundancy is a big thing, right? Because you lose it. Oh, I got a backup, or I have two backups. Yeah. But I mean, a, a perfect example. I take the the wind blast war gear. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you every tournament. It may only affect one game, but it turns a tie into a win or turns a loss into a win. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that may be why I'm one game better than somebody else because I give myself that tool. I think you had a pretty interesting wind blast against Duncan in Chicago at Masters. I think Dustin Dustin Howard. I think there was a wind blast that kind of uh, set the tone of the game at the end. Dustin played a brilliant game and beat the crap out of me. 
And then the very last turn of the game, when he was looking at the board, I got a little impatient, and I said, is it my turn? And he's like, hold on. And I, we waited, and finally he goes, go. And I said, okay, I don't even know if I moved. I win, blast you off that objective. I win, blast you off that objective. I win, blast you off that objective. I win. And <laughs> he looked at me, and he was a perfect gentleman. Thank God we weren't in a dark alley. <laughs> killed me. That's right. But That's right. Um, and that was a master's level game that that won me. Right. And now I'm only carrying one. So it's not going to be that dramatic. Right. But sometimes one objective so is... The huge. difference between a draw or, a lo- you know, it can turn a loss into a draw and it can turn a draw, a draw into a win. I mean, you put your cheap zombie unit on a back objective and you're back as far as possible to stay out of shooting range. And on turn five, I'm going to move my magic to that And way. then they're out of three and inches, and then there it is. And turn six, I get close enough, blast you off. Nothing you can do. You know, and it negates what you're doing, because now are you going to put two units on every objective? Once again, I'm making you do something you don't want to do. You know, and, and, and when I'm in a really evil mood, mm. I'll tell somebody, I'm going to win blast you off your objectives. <laughs> And, you know, and they put two, two, right. two units on every objective, and now I'm finding their army in piecemeal. You know, awesome. and I only do that to people like Sean, who deserves <laughs> it. But, he deserves it. But, uh, but, but back to theme, I really, theme, I love the salamanders. Yeah. Theme, I love the orcs. Mm-hmm. But the goblins just have a lot of tools. Yeah. And they have a lot of tools. That That is... And, yeah, they they have good synergy, right? Yeah, and they have cheap tools. Like they have access to tools. Other armies have those tools, but they have you know you take the horde and that unlocks a, you know a, a monster, a a cheap character, and a shooting unit. So you know, and a war engine, right? So uh, it does it's just got that synergy. It's a, it does. Yeah. Well, the new rules came out, and it my group came up with the right list simultaneously with what I'd done. And it was like, oh, 2,000 points. Six hordes unlock the six characters you mm-hmm. want. They unlock the six war machines exactly. that you want. And they unlock the six monsters that you want if you take the blasters. Yeah. Now, I'm not taking the blasters right this minute. I traded those in for a giant. But, I mean, that list, that was... It's a good list. It was the obvious way to build it. Exactly. And no one unit's important. That's, and I guess that's the other thing. It's like, you got, I got 24 units, and so you're going to kill one. Well, each one contributes about one wound a turn, but collectively they contribute 24 wounds. That, right. That puts two of your units at risk every turn. Exactly. And um, the volume is huge. The, flexib- the flexibility is, is what? It's a toolbox, right? It's, they've, they've got all the tools. They're cheap. Uh, in terms of new, when, you, when you do have a new project, you know, where, where, do, where do you find inspiration? Well, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've, during COVID, I started watching Kings of War podcast and bat I, reps and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, I, well, what are some of your favorite ones? Bat reps. Oh, oh, I, the visibly Riley ones. Visibly Riley. Like. Yeah. Uh, I like y'all's podcast, and I, I guess part of it, I know some of the players who are right. talking, and I, mm-hmm. I know what y'all mean, and yeah. Uh, and when y'all get a little bit brutal, <laughs> they are quite funny. I know how it's intended. Yeah. It's meant to be entertainment. Exactly. And if, if the top ten players at Masters y'all make fun of, well, we deserve it. I mean. Exactly. That, and we all love hearing about ourselves. Even bad publicity is better than no publicity. Absolutely. You know. But uh, I like the 
the guy, he's out of England. Um, Andy Ransom. Andy. Yeah, Andy 2D6. I watch all of his. Andy's great. You know, uh, Jerry out of Chicago. Yeah. To do a, he hadn't done anything. Ultimate. Big. Ultimate game, power Ult- game. Ultimate power game, yeah. Uh, now, his I find very technically. And I'm going to pick on, on George O'Connor. He has done a couple of things where he has done an analysis, like a podcast. Yeah. He has been dead on. I, right. I mean, he has said some things that when I heard it, I'm like, let me check. <laughs> he, he did his own personal evaluation of the matchups at Augusta. And he brought up one comment I'd never heard before was, what is your Army's total nerve? Right. And everybody was about the same. Then he got to like my Army and like, Jeff's nerve is like 100 more than everybody else. Right. And I'm like, really? And I went back and looked and he was right. Yeah. And so I thought his analysis was dead on. Uh, so I found that useful. But those are the main ones I've seen. But... Four Up Gaming, Four Up Gaming. Yeah, they're in uh, Denver, I think. I think yes. Yeah, uh, they're very Eric Towen, I think is his name. I yeah, think so yeah, really, really good pocket, a really good bat reps. Well, and I, and I stumbled on recently Randy Ashley out of yeah Denver. Tennessee. Yeah, uh, I've, I've everyone he does. Yeah, they're it, good. It's the right length, and to his credit, when you watch it, you can see his board's not cluttered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forget who it is. Maybe Visibly Riley it uses this snow and stone-covered mat and then puts terrain on it. Hard to see what things are. You can't see where the units are. Yeah. And so I find that hard to see. But exactly. also I'm getting old and blind. But Randy's are very clear and clean to see. Mm-hmm. And so I get a lot out of that. But that's right. I'll, somebody will do something and I'll go, that's a brilliant idea. I love that. And then I'm maybe not as skilled, but I can come close. Yeah. Uh, and it's fun. Yeah. So do you have any foundational concepts uh, when you're building that list? I think you've got to control initiative. And not yeah. every – I don't think every army can do that. If you're slow – Yeah, I'm just thinking in my head, like, how would dwarves do that? I mean – Now, I do I do like dwarves because okay. they have such strong armor and great characters. So their characters can force you to do something. Right, you got the, the guys in the big beast that can really get out there and defense six and – But, no, I like initiative. Mm-hmm. That's why I tried the cavalry. It just – I can't make it work. I've tried the three dragons. They're good, but there's not enough of them. But I would say that's probably my primary focus on what can I do to force you out of your game. Because Dash 28, I'm going to pick on them. Yeah. They did tons of videos. Mm-hmm. And I watched 50 matchups where player A would set up the perfect defense and just sit there. Right. And wait till the last turn of the game. And, and the opponent either did nothing or attacked and fell victim to the perfect defense. Right. And I'm like, that is great gameplay as long as you don't face a shooting army. Because, yeah, because you can't just sit there. Because they face me, set up your defense, I'm going to blow you off the table. Exactly. And the minute they can't do what they've designed their army to do, they're at a disadvantage. So th- so there's that's the, the genesis. And shooting does it well. Uh, yeah. I think there's other ways of doing it, but... And we're going to see it on a future... I'm sure, I'm sure we're your next army that comes to the table... So we talked a little bit about chaff, how pretty much everything in your army is chaff, right? Yes. When you're building a list, is there a set number of pieces you want to have that are your actual chaff? I mean, in your list building. I'm not fond of chaff. I can't make it work well. But anti-chaff is absolutely required because if someone has it and you can't just negate it quick, then you're making their better units better. And so I always try to lend an eye towards how can I remove two or three key chaff units Well, it gets back to what you said about the initiative, right? I mean, if they have chaff, that's going to give them the initiative to get the matchups, the fights that they want. If you can kill that, then potentially. 
yeah. it's back in your favor. Exactly. And like I said, chaff for me just doesn't. I'm, I'm not good at it. Drew, how you doing? Good, man. Uh, <laughs> he got you off the game. Drew Gaddy is who I don't want to play. We've played like four tournaments in a row. But you, and he, but you beat him all the time, so who's matter? He has probably outplayed me four games in a row. I, exactly. <laughs> he has a very see, perfect example. He has a high initiative army. He has a lot of cavalry. Yeah. And it's the dwarf cavalry, which is I still think is pretty good. Yeah. And against me, he controls the game. And I don't like it. You have any sharp sticks in your army? Uh, no, just round. Okay. But that's a great example. There, there's one of the few armies that consistently takes the initiative away from me. To his credit. I mean, that's good list, good gameplay. Yeah. Number of drops. Does that matter to you? How many drops you're going to have in your list? I think if you have a unit you like, a unit that you're going to depend on, you have to outdrop. Because that unit needs to be placed after your opponent can't do anything about it. Because if you had put it down first, every player here can do something to negate it. So, I, you know, if I'm going to have a 300-point dragon, I've got to have more drops than you. So the dragon gets the best starting position. Is there a magic number of drops that you find with your goblins? I'm usually in the low 20s, 22, 23. Yeah, you have a lot of characters, too, it helps, right? I, I love the characters. Yeah, because individual. They fix... Everything you fly a dragon over my lines, the characters turn and deal with it. Just turn around a lightning bolt. Yeah, I said the characters just—they have so many great rules. You know, a free pivot. You know, harder to hit. They can move and shoot without a difficulty. They're just—they're just great. And now I'll also say, third edition, I see fewer characters in my opponent's army than ever before. Is it that people are going, well, they don't have any unit strength and they can't give me my objectives, and so people are focusing on units, maybe units. I don't know. What, what's your take on that? I don't know. Every army, the more characters you have, the worse I do. And I love, I mean, there's lists here that have no characters. Yeah. And I'm like, you've got units that have restrictions on how they move and turn and how they charge. My characters can probably avoid them the whole game. And I'll get in the middle of your army. Right. I can twist and turn and back up. I can do anything I want. You mm-hmm. can't. And I don't know why people, and that's what the dwarf players do. They generally will have three or four characters, and they will drive me crazy. Right. I mean, their magic users are better than mine. Their hand-to-hand are better than mine. And I mean... But yours are a lot cheaper, so it all, it all balances out, right? Yeah, <laughs> they generally are, but... Yeah. Uh, the dwarf armies consistently have more characters, and they give, and those characters give me tremendous. Well, they're all defense five, and they're 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 stout. They've got high nerve values. And but I don't know, Rob. That's something. When these new rules came out, I thought we would see more hordes. I thought we'd see more troops, and that's what I expected. I did not expect cavalry to disappear. I did not expect individuals to disappear. Yeah. I didn't expect shooting to disappear because I'm not sure what they did in the rules to make shooting so bad because I'm like, they changed it. They, they tweaked it, but I didn't think they made it go away. And I mean, there's a, I mean, I think they toned it down, but I don't think they made it not playable. Right. And I mean, you know, in, in the podcasts of matchups, you know, the, the group of commentators thought the shooting armies would do very well. I don't necessarily disagree with them. Well, it's interesting because, you know, shooting armies, 
I wonder, you know, they have another variable, which is how much terrain's on the table, right? And you never really know. Like, you might know in, in your region what you will see, but you go to an event out, out of state, and it's like, it's a crapshoot. You could show up, and they got 14 pieces of big terrain, and there's no shooting lanes. Or it's a bowling, you know, it's a green, green lawn, right? Uh, I think we play with too little terrain. Absolutely. In the southeast, you mean, or just in general? Everywhere. Yeah. I think we play with more terrain in the southeast than the, anywhere else. I mean, I, I, I'm a proponent for lots of terrain. I like. I think terrain makes the game interesting. I walked around these tables, and I may go 0-6, but the terrain levels here, I went, thank you. <laughs> I mean, while there may be a reasonable number, they're small. Right. And I'm like, if you can't hide, I mean, a lot of my stuff ignores cover. So if you can't hide, that train piece doesn't exist from our army. Right. And and I also question the placement. Putting a woods in a corner, it might as well not even be there. I'm like, why are the woods and the impassable in the hills not in the middle of the darn table? There's a there's a famous YouTuber uh, named Mel, the terrain tutor. He, you know, his theory is you sh- the terrain should be to the center because that's where the action's going to be. Um, when you have stuff on the edges. Nobody's. We you may have a unit coming on the flank, but you're not really. That's not where the action's going to be. So we don't play on the edges. No. And I mean, and my point being, terrain should force Jeff O'Neill to move to get a better shot. Right. The terrain should force Rob to move to get a better charge. Exactly. If you and I don't have to do anything different because the terrain is not in our way, then it's useless. Exactly. And I love. You know, we talked earlier about bolt action. Go to say a bolt action game. There are twelve houses and fifty hedges and and lots five of terrain. Mountain. I mean, there are turns you can't shoot. There are turns you can't fight hand to hand. If you want to, you got to go get it. Well, that rewards playing well. Mm-hmm. And like you said, we just, we're on Augusta National 18th Green, perfectly flat, and that's not even a game, you right. know. And and look, terrain is expensive. It's hard to transport. I've always questioned if I was a TO, tell you what, in this tournament, I'm going to put eight pieces of train on the board. Each player is responsible for bringing two six inch by six inch train pieces of your choice. Yeah. It could be a hill. It could, you know, give us specifications. Yeah, because you don't want the crazy stuff. But yeah. So now make the players bring a couple of things, and it can be something simple. They yeah. could cut out a cardboard, cardboard and make a little house. Right. But now we've got more train. The TO doesn't have to make it. TO doesn't have to transport it. I think it would make our tournament scene a lot better. Yeah. How do you account for terrain when you're building your list? Or do you just don't care? You I just... don't care. I, I have played on one or two really weird boards, and I've played on 150 boards where terrain never even came into play. I mean, like I said, if you can't hide your unit completely, there's no terrain on that table. And, and there's one or two big pieces. I didn't look at all the tables, but the first 15 or 20 I looked at, there are a lot of four-inch by four-inch train pieces. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Those aren't really going to impact movement. Because, you know, somebody... It was Steve Malone, I think, out of Ohio, told me one time, you either got to be fast enough to get around the terrain or you gotta, you got to have the right rules to get through the terrain. Like, you know, movement's key. And, and if you have a small piece of terrain, it's, it's, it's almost... It blocks line of sight, but is it really impacting the, the game that much? Not really on a movement... Not really not on a movement basis, because you can easily swing around that but if you have a big giant house that's six inches by 18 you know eight inches big giant thing well that's a little bit more 
imposive, you know. Well, and I've had people say we can't put impassable in the middle of the table. I'm sorry, I'd put impassable on every table. Yeah. You put a house in the middle of the board, it now makes dominate a very weird scenario. Do I go left or right? Yeah. If I go right and you go left, we, we're just circling. Like each a other. toilet bowl. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you think, it makes you do something, and you might, the more decisions I've got to make, the more mistakes I will make. If you show up on the table, Rob, and say, Jeff, you have free shots, you don't have to move, all you got to do is roll dice, I'm probably going to do pretty well. And there's no gameplay to that. No. And then, you know, opponent gets mad, ah, oh, you just shot me off the table. Well, go yell at the T.O. who put nothing on the table. To your point, terrain should impact you. It, sh- it should make you have to move stuff to get better shots or get to a space where there's a, an, a viable target. Um, and if it's not providing that or cover for the opponent, you know, it's, it's, it's not impacting the game enough. You've got a wonderful cavalry unit. If it's got nowhere to hide, it's dead on turn one. If you have a wonderful cavalry unit and there are four or five places to hide, you move up behind it and maybe three units shoot it, but it's not 23 units shoot right. it. Right. And turn two, your cavalry unit crashes into something. You now had to do something. I couldn't stop it. I, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've begged TOs before they look at me like, you're crazy. And I mean, I generally feel terrain is way too light. I've never been to a tournament where I felt it was too much. Throw a lot of impassable terrain on the board and you make hordes harder to use. So now you make people start take regiments and troops. Like I said, I just, I just wish we would play with more terrain. Placement of terrain, its impact on legions, for example. Yes. Well, there's a, there's, there's a cost to a legion, right? It's a big, giant footprint, and there is the potential. You're going to get to a spot where you can't get. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. That's, that's part of the game, right? And another alternative we've talked about, do you just go to player place terrain? Do you like the dot deployment where you're playing... You're, well, I, I'm saying not even dot. I'm oh, you just put wherever you want. You and I show up, and you go, gosh, Jeff, you shoot a lot. Okay, I'm going to put a hill in the middle of the board. Oh, I'm going to put a forest next to the hill. Oh, I'm going to put another forest next. That way you adjust the terrain to help you. Now, right. I'm going to place terrain to help me. Yeah. And I, I guess the counter argument is a more experienced player may be more astute at placing terrain than a newbie. But at an event like this, does it matter? I would say no. Um, I mean, I, I get what they're saying. You know, If you go to a new event and you're, you're playing new players... That's another skill that they have to learn. I wonder if you're losing out. If, if, if they were doing that and they're using the player place to terrain, I wonder long-term if it makes you appreciate and understand the use of terrain and how it can be used to mitigate something advantage that the opponent has or something in your own army. I, I guess I'm wondering, by being able to place terrain to your advantage, you'll actually interact with it in a way that teaches you how to play it. That's right. You learn from it. But that's that's my two cents worth. I may be in a severe minority. I, well, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 12 to 14 piece guy and, and, and bigger pieces, not little tiny pieces. I, you know, I'm also a big proponent of uh, woods that it might be a six by nine, but it's multiple pieces within that. So you've got to work your way through multiple sections of that wood. You don't get into the very end and then you can see through it. No, you got to get through the first piece and then the second piece and um, I agree, and I also would say this: shape. I love strips of woods. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna exaggerate. Eight by one is eight square inches, right? Versus a four by two blocks a lot by, more line of sight. That four by two means nothing in the game. That yeah. eight by one is meaningful. Yeah, you know. And you bring up something that's really interesting, though. We always talk about the type of train the size or the area of the terrain 
But the shape is also important because you, you bring up a very good point. If you have a, a four by two, okay, that means a unit might be able to get 50% of their base in that terrain piece and they'll get cover. But if you do an eight by one, that changes it fundamentally. You're probably not going to get cover from it ever, but they can't see through it. So like it changes the dynamic. It changes the, the it completely changes that forest. It, yes. To a light line of sight blocking piece. Interesting. And then, yeah, let's take the theoretical eight by one. I've seen that once or twice. And do they put it from left to right? No, they put it across the board. So from my perspective, it's blocking one inch. Right, yeah, no. And I'm like, why is that not turned 90 degrees where it's blocking eight inches? Exactly. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and we play around with that in our local game. You know, yeah. hey, let's play with 25 terrain pieces. It, that must make Nathan super happy. <laughs> well, Nathan being stealthy brings his own terrain. But. Exactly. So when you build your lists, do you build them in, in well, some people call it combat blocks? Like this is this is this is a group of units. So you're just you don't have that that strategy where you're, or that your army's not broken down into units that work together. My, my my army is weird. I have one combat group. My whole army is killing one unit. Right. And if I get off to a good start rolling dice, I might deviate to a second unit. And if I can kill one unit a turn or two every now and then, right, I win. Right. And so. And, and with so many characters, I can bring that to bear. Mm-hmm. You know, and people complain about the wingets. The wingets are units, and they have the same movement restrictions everybody else has. It's the characters. You know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw three bangets and three wizards on you. They might do 15 wounds by themselves. Yeah. The bangets are deceivingly good. They are. They catch people out. Their short range makes them. You know, 12-inch? They're useless on turns one and two. Right. But you're moving your army up. and then, yeah. Or they're coming to you. And then if they're successful and they kill what they're shooting at, they're probably useless at least one more turn. I've, I've thought about throwing the bangets. I mean, I hear people say, oh, bangets are the key. My army might be better without the bangets. Right. Um, the wizards are fabulous. Well, lightning bolt's just a good all-around spell, right? And I get it so cheap. Yeah. I mean... No, 45 points. All right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's... And I do upgrade mine. One has Conjurer Staff, so that's, in effect, almost an extra shot. Mm-hmm. You know, another one's got the Boomstick, so mm-hmm. that one's almost worth two Wizards. Exactly. Uh, and then one's got, oh, Windblast. Windblast. Yeah, so mine are a little bit more expensive, but yeah. that's still a lot of Lightning Bolt for very little expenditure. If I play those KG, they're hard for you to ever even get a shot at. Let's talk about Inspiring. I'm, I'm curious to hear your take on inspiring and how you work it into your list and would you say that the way you use inspiring in the goblin list is different than how you would do it in a different army yeah I've got one source of inspiring and I really don't even pay attention to where it is the cost of inspiring is like one more goblin unit so I'm just like I'll just buy one more goblin unit my game is offense I don't care about defense right well you have a lot of units right you said 20 plus drops so they've got to chew through a lot of stuff but when I played my trolls and my sir mobs and the more the better quality stuff, every group had to have some inspiring because that one freaky roll just erases a 250-point unit. And you can't do that. So I think inspiring is important. Now, I play Nate all the time, so his, his Night Stalkers benefit from my inspiring. That's very frustrating. Right. Well, if you don't have any, then that's pretty cool. Well, I try. I try. <laughs> It's tough. It costs so much. And I'm like, it, how many times does it come into play? 
in my army, not often. I, my, my, you hit my goblin unit, and you just blast. Well, I mean, a goblin rabble, twelve fourteen regiment, right? Like, yeah. If anything with any substance hits it, it's gonna do ten wounds, nine wounds, and it's not gonna need much to break it. So I get that you're not inspired, you're not making them roll it again, but they're probably only need like. Exactly. Or what are you really gaining? The odds aren't that they're going to survive anyways, even with inspiring. And so I guess your point is just take more units. Right. Right. Well, in effect, do I take a standard bearer or do I take a bang it? I'd much rather have three more attacks. Your kind of your theory on inspiring change if you're playing a different army. I mean, is there different armies that you probably you probably would be more concerned with inspiring? Pick up my salamander army. I probably have three sources of inspiring. But that army, some of those characters get it cheap. Oh, and you'll have that unit too, the ancients, right? Oh yeah, that's just a that's just a no brainer. Exactly. Huge bubble of inspiring. Exactly. I'm I'm talking about me as a adequate player. I want average luck. If I get average luck, I like my chances. What scares me is bad luck. You know, you walk up the table and your opponent runs three or four box cars on mm-hmm. turn two and three. Game's yeah, over. Right. And so I think the inspiring shields you from that risk. And I guess I would say this. If my units cost 200 points or more, I'm having all the inspiring I can get. If my units cost 100 points or less, I have no inspiring. That's a- or if you've got that one hammer that is everything to you, then it better have inspiring behind it. Mm-hmm. But for me, I don't use it a lot. And, and a lot of my goblin player friends do. So I'm probably a little bit unique. But I'm, I'm focusing... I want to eke out another 100 to 150 points towards offense, not towards the Magic artifacts. Okay. I have a lot. Uh, and I'm sorry, I forget the gentleman's name from the Northwest that's playing goblins. Almost the exact army as mine. Travis Tim. Travis Tim, yeah. It looks like he doesn't have as much war gear as I do. So that's going to be a great contrast. I have gone different in that I'm like, if each unit can be 5 or 10% more effective... I'm willing to have less units because I found it's hard to employ all your units. And so the ones that can be employed, I want them to be slightly more effective. But he's got more units than I do. He's got more unit strength than I do. Mm-hmm. And in the right game, that alone could put me at a huge disadvantage. So I appreciate what he's done. It'll be interesting to see if we have any common opponents or if we play each other. Does that come into play? For magical artifacts, are they the first thing you think about, or are they kind of the last thing you think about? I mean, you kind of mentioned that you're look you're looking to add five to ten percent. You know, just just bump up that unit just a little bit. So I assume that means you're not taking super expensive right. artifacts. You're taking the cheap ones that conjure staff. Oh, it makes that guy just did a little bit better. They're the last thing. I don't I don't care. I mean, what I do is come down, get within like a hundred points, and then figure out Mesa crushing, blade of slashing, fire oil. You know, the conjures, yeah, the five and 10 and 15 point items, stick them here and there. I have, I don't take the whatever the hell it's called that gives you plus one to hit. Sharpness, sharpness. sharpness, yeah. Yeah, I don't take. Let's just talk about maw pups. It's kind of an upgrade, but you take the maw pup upgrade? I think that was the most powerful thing they gave the Goblin Army. And I haven't done it yet, but I'm like, when do I just show up with nothing but. 25 rabble regiments because six attacks always hitting on a four don't care if you're hindered and snared doesn't matter yeah for crushing one for 10 points for 10 points if I had that on 20 units yeah that's 120 extra quality attacks and granted I gotta survive long enough to use it but if I've got a lot more units than you 
You can't kill them all in one. Yeah, time. I've been playing a ton of goblin luggage lately. You know, like six troops and two regiments, all with maw pups. The maw pups are do the work, man. I mean, well, let me ask you this. Yeah, you say my magic user at forty-five plus point throwing three lightning bolts is a is a good thing. Okay, that's three attacks hitting on a four at piercing one. Piercing one, yeah. For ten points, I get six attacks. That's yep. double hitting on fours, crushing one. Well, my, my magic cost more than four. They, they're like sixty. Yeah. yeah. Six mall pups versus one magic user. That magic user could throw eighteen spells a game. Yeah. Those six are getting. Mall pups are getting 36 attacks a game. Yeah. Well, and your lightning bolt's taking some penalties, right? They, 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 they have Right? Sometimes. Whereas the mall pups, we don't care. Yeah. It, you can be ensnared. Doesn't matter. Because the mall pup is what made my spider, my, my flea bag rider concept, because I'm like, every one of them can take it. Yeah. And I'm like, they're pretty mediocre, but if they had one or two wounds each. And you're going to get that with six hitting on fours with crushing one. Unless you're flying defense six, you're probably going to get a couple extra hits. And, uh, and I'm hitting you first. I mean, in this game, sometimes one or two difference is the difference between killing and not killing. And if I can charge and get one or two extra wounds on any unit in the game, by every spider unit. Right. You know, and I, I'm not even sure it's not a, take 20 troops of spiders uh, yeah. Of the flea bags, all with mall pups. Just to deliver the mall pups. Just go, I'm delivering 20 mall pup attacks yeah. on turn two. Exactly. You know, and, and once again, that I'm, I haven't made it work yet. But I feel, I feel I mean, like I, I'm I, so I, close. I, I've been playing goblins, and I have been putting mall pups on every unit. I get the same criticism. They, This is unfair, you know, because, I mean, they're great. I mean, they give you, you know, they give you extra a couple extra wounds in every combat. And it's like, okay, now instead of needing seven... I need five. Or instead of needing 11, now I need nine. Cost me 10 points to do that. I would argue if you can move the dice by two for 10 points in a combat, you would do it every time. I mean, look at the percentages on a 2d6 die roll. Moving it one is big. Two is out of the ballpark. And young people, they're one use. Let me tell you, my goblin rabble are surviving six turns. That's true. I want you to hit me, me survive, and I get to punch you back with that. But... I, I think the rabble, I mean, the mall piece, mall based upgrade, mall pups are just phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and like I said, to abuse it, to take nothing but an army that each takes that. And then, like you said, have three mall pup launchers to recharge where you need it. Over the course of a game, that wears somebody out. Back to magical artifacts. If you were playing a horde, ar- you know, not a horde army, would your use of magical artifacts change? I think if I'm going to have one sledgehammer. You spend whatever it takes to make it as good as it can be. Okay. I mean, like my unit of rhinosaurs, I'll give them the Blade of Sharpness. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a magic user give them Bane Chant if they need it. But, I mean, because when it hits, I need it to obliterate. If it gets stuck one turn, it has failed. You know, and but I do that for one unit. I think they have done a fabulous job of pointing out the artifacts. They're probably a little more expensive than they should be. So if you want them, you're going to pay a premium. You used to never take them right. with the regiment, right? Because it's like, oh well, I'm paying this big fee, and it's like, but now there's there's some good there's some good opportunities. Yeah, like I said, I th- every artifact I look at, it's barely worth it or it's barely not worth it, which tells me they've priced it out at a, <coughs> just about the right rate. And what I love is you and I can take the same artifacts. Yep. So if I win a tournament because I took Windblast, 
the next tournament, everybody here can do it. Talk to me about the uh, hammer of measured force. You know, Nate has a unit of blood worms that takes it with 40 attacks. Maybe the best unit in the game, because it's when he gets his vicious aura on them, they're doing 12 or 13 wounds to any unit yep. and probably breaking it. So I took it. You, you had it on a horde of rabble? Yeah. yeah. I've achieved no success. Of well, you hit on fives. I right? hit on fives. He hits on fours. Yeah. He is vicious. I'm not. He's got 40 attacks. I got 25. Yeah. But it is there, so when you show up with your all armor six, I scare you a little bit. Rob, I thought six gave me trouble, and about two and a half months ago, our local club, Ryan Johnson and Sean Williams, started playing all armor six army so I could train against. I have concluded that will be my easiest matchup. Because they have so few units? or So few units. And so you got a 17 nerve. If I roll a 7, which is average, I only have to do 10 wounds. My army can do 10 wounds against anything every turn. Right. And it took a little bit of focus, but I, now that I've done it, and I've played Armor 6. I've played the Goblin Mitzer moms, mm-hmm. and they're Armor 6 from the front. And I got tabled every time. I, and I'm like, how? how? How is that happening? Yeah. And I guess what I finally focused on is take their nerve, back out of seven. That's the average. And that's the many wins you got to do a turn to kill them. It's not a lot. They're like a fearless 16. Right. They're not that high. It's the same problem the ogres have, right? Right. Siege breakers, 17. Well, that's not that high. I've gotten disillusioned with armor six. It yeah. Just, and, and, and my goblins will do this even without any enhancement. I'll shoot at your armor six earth elemental horde and I'll do nothing. I'll do one. I'll do nothing. I do one, 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 nothing, 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 nothing. Then all of a sudden one unit does nine. Well, now you're at 14 or 15 and you're gone. Yeah. And I, and I guess the issue is with 23 units shooting at you, if any of them skew down, they skew from maybe an expectation of one to zero. But they skew up from one to nine. Yeah. And doesn't happen often, but if I do it 23 times a turn, it's going to happen once or twice. And those skews break your back if your armor's sick. It took me, I mean, honestly, we practiced against it. I mean, about after doing it 20 times, I'm like, armor six just isn't scary. Now, you have one armor six unit and a normal army, and you protect that armor six, that scares me. But if all you have is a bunch of armor six so you can't hide it, I, I, right. Um, so when I lose six times tomorrow against one six armies, <laughs> you come remind me. I said, <laughs> "Well, talk to me about unit strength. We talked a little bit about it. Unit strength and scoring units, how it impacts your list building." Yeah, I'm as lean as I can tolerate. I've got six hordes, I've got three wingets, and I got one giant. That is not uh, like twenty-two. And that, we're playing twenty-three hundred points, right? Yeah, so that is barely enough. But what I have done is I measure my unit strength against yours. So if I kill your unit strength so that you're lower than me, I'm I'm, I'm like Dominate. Dominate doesn't end with me having 22 and you having 23. It ends with you having four and me having three. I just try to keep on track to keep you under me. But yeah, I've had people say, well, I'm just going to beat you by killing your unit strength. And I'm like, good. Because if you're hunting my unit strength, my offense is untouched. But if you go after the offense, my unit strength is untouched. Right. So I agree. That is a. I love having my how I win being separate from how I kill. What are you going to go after? And there's a lot of good players here who have an answer to that. Yeah. But it is a, and I think there there is what 
I have used to my success. I face a lot of people who walk up and go, I have no idea what your army does. Because there aren't a lot of goblin shooting armies out there, which I don't know why, but there's not. There's lots of theories. One theory would be it's not easy to play. you got to be quick. You know, I guess being an accountant, does that help you? No. I realize with a timer you are not going to make perfect decisions. So I think Erwin Rommel said in World War II that a fast, bad decision was better than a delayed good decision. And I play that way. I just, I move quick, take the consequences. It goes back to what you said. It puts the onus back on the player. All right, play. It's back in your court. And sometimes when we play quick, I make a mistake, and my opponent thinks, why did he do that? Well, I did it because I'm an idiot. But they think I did it because it's, I have some great tactics. So, so I get that advantage. But I do think the more times you play against a goblin horde army, the better you get at it. Because, I mean, my local guys beat me half the time. Yeah. They are not afraid of me at all, but they have the advantage we play every week. I'm going to guess scoring units probably doesn't matter to you because you take a lot of individuals and a lot of war engines. But does that, I mean, the number of scoring units, does that matter to you? Not really. Okay. Well, the three wingers, because of their tremendous mobility, right. when I'm smart, I'm careful with them, and I feel like they let me affect three objectives or three victory conditions every game. What about scenarios? Uh, you're building a list. Are you thinking about the scenarios? I mean, obviously, there's there's objective-based ones. There's movement-based ones. There's loot tokens. And, and, and now we got bluff ones, you know, bluff token ones. I mean, talk to me about how you make sure your army can can accommodate all of those scenarios. Okay. And I, and I think you, you hit on something. I said earlier, initiative is my primary factor. My secondary factor is missions. Right. I don't care what army you're playing. Think, how do I win? I have a medium unit strength. But if I play somebody in control, I'm on the back table edge with my characters and war machines out front. Whether you start slightly ahead of me or slightly behind, if you come across the table to kill me, I will kill your unit strength. Right. And so maybe you get there by the end of the game, but I'm going to win without ever having my hand-to-hand do a damn thing. Push or invade. If I've got more unit strength than you, I'm going to set up my characters first. Once your army's deployed, I'm going to whichever flank is the easiest for me to walk across the table. And just push the whole army up. Yeah. And if you got to walk across the table to stop me, you're not getting across. And, I mean, Invade, I love. There are games where after setup, I could probably tell my opponent, we are done. If you go across, I go across, I win. If you try to move across your six-foot board edge to stop me, I win. I mean, unless they're really fast. And most people right. aren't. So, I mean, no, this army was built looking at every mission, what do I need? The objective missions. That is the only reason Windblast is in the army. I don't care how it goes down. You hold one objective somewhere where you're probably not positioned perfectly. And that gives me a chance, no matter how bad you've beaten me, to blow you off. Right. And sometimes one objective is the difference between winning and losing. But, no, I think that's my number two criteria how to win the missions. Well, let's go back to the first one, initiative, right? Some might say speed and flyers is one way to get initiative. When you say initiative, is that part of that strategy? Yeah. yeah. Well, so, that's what we talked about Drew Gaddy earlier. Yeah. His army has speed and hitting power. Mm-hmm. So he uses speed to make me do what he wants. I use shooting to make you do what I want. Right. You know, and so, and some people don't do anything. 
And I'm like, okay. Well, what about speed and flyers, fast units and flyers? I love flyers. They're too expensive. Now, yes, I use three. Mine aren't. Mine Those are 140, 155 points. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not that expensive. They're cheap enough. Yeah. I don't think, I think the penalty cost of having a flyer is so high, it is hard to have an all-flying army. The, the classic example is obviously Grant Fetters playing the all-Vaseline flying circus. It's an army that will destroy some armies. That army will give me trouble. But once we're in hand-to-hand, you gotta ground him. His flying doesn't do him any good. He spent points on flying. I spent points on mop ups. Well, it's sort of like against your army, the same people that spend a lot of points and a lot of crush- crushing strength, right? Like, oh yeah, oh, yeah they're great. Go ahead. I'm glad you spent it because I have goblins and I'm defense four. I got people flipping real books. I'm like, you win me on a two. Well, no, I need to make sure I don't want you win me on a two. Yeah. Yeah, you can look all you want. You win me on a two. Keep exactly. going. Allies. Do you, do you run them? Do you not run them? Use of allies in this building. We should, but for whatever reason, our gaming group just doesn't take allies. It feels wrong. And I always chastise myself after every major tournament. Why am I not taking those allies? Right. Because there are another heavy artillery piece from the undead army or the abyssal dwarfs. Another spellcaster throwing another lightning bolt. Another thing that has wind blasts. I mean, there's a lot of great things out there that aren't expensive to get, but I just don't do that. In a way, you can either get a force multiplier, like this thing, boom, there's another one of those big heavy hitters. Or you can take something that mitigates a gap in your list. Oh, I don't have flyers. Well, here's a flyer. Um, yeah. But like I said, I don't know. Our group is just always shot away from What? Why do you think that is? We're weird. We're not smart. I don't know. I mean, like I said, we, and we all look at each other like, why don't you take this? Yeah, I don't want an ally. I don't play with allies either. And I, and I wonder, I think it's just because I, you know, I sort of select that army and I want to play with the bumps and the bruises, right? Like, it's not great. It's not great at everything. There's going to be some play ogres. Well, I don't have flyers. That's a quirk of the army. Get good. That's right. For me personally, I think I learn more without taking the allies. Well, and that's really what I focused on. Play every tool as well as it can be played. I mean, there's a big difference between a bang at doing two wounds a game and doing four wounds a game. Right. It's only two wounds, no big deal. But that thought process multiplied by 23 units is 46 more wounds. That's probably four more dead units on your side of the board. You know, and, and that's not game-breaking, but four units is a lot. And I think in games I do poorly, I can look back and see where I just did not make a solid decision. I didn't make perfect example every now and then I like putting my wizards on the flank they kill something then they got nothing else to shoot at and I'm like are they mounted or are they their foot but I put them in the middle of the table they shoot six turns you know and I'm like why do I ever put them on the flank what is wrong right. with me but you know, sometimes you want to test things out but I, in tournaments I tend to play vanilla smart trust the numbers will work out don't beat myself let your opponent beat themselves yes yeah how does deployment and how you're going to lay this army out, how does that affect your list building? Well, first of all, in the list building, you also figure out how do the tools work together. Mm-hmm. I love putting my magic users and all my shooting behind my infantry if you're tall. If you're tall, I can sit there all day long and hurt you and never get hurt back. If you're the same height as me, like dwarves, once again, dwarves give me fits because I'm the same height as they are. So I have so to you got to put your guys in between and... And take chances. Because they might shoot you back. I mean, you, you talked about ogres. I love ogres. Uh, ogres. Ogres and goblins is not a good matchup yeah. for ogres. 
I think we've done that dance before. It didn't end well. We did. I love any army that's tall. So there's that synergy that my foot can take a hit, hopefully, let everybody else shoot, and buy me time. Because I I just want time to concentrate my characters and my war trombones on whatever's bothering me the most. Does your deployment change based on the army? Or do you just, like, this is how I deploy my army and this is how I deploy my army? What I have tried to do is figure out what unit I want dead and make sure my army deploys in a way where my catapults have a clear line of shot, line of sight. Rarely is that a flyer or a fast unit because you can move away. Usually I'm picking one of your slow-moving infantry units so that, okay, Rob, I'm shooting at that every turn until it's dead. You're not going to play with that one unit. (laughs) And, And then some thought is there a second unit. If I can line up two units, then that's where I want to go. I want my magic users to support the artillery. They need to be able to hit it. I want my bangets near cover. Like they love to run up behind a piece of impassable train because they're useless for the first turn. Yep. And they play ring around the rosies around a building. I mean, I go pop out and throw something, but you can't get back at me. My wingets are always my challenge. They can do everything. But if they... They move so far, but you can get them out there, and then you're, you're overexposed, and then <laughs> you get them shot off. Because they're a 15 nerve. They're not, they're not invincible. That's right. Um, but if they support the artillery and the magic users, that is usually more than you can tolerate. And if I do all that centrally, I usually have six turns of shooting. And those are the games. This year, I've noticed my kills have gone way up. I mean... Last year, I was killing half your army. This year, I'm killing 90% because I'm, I'm really doing a better job of making sure every unit, every turn, gets a shot and hopefully gets a shot at something in the open. And that over six turns just is devastating. When you're deploying, do you have obvious drops to go first? Generally, I'm putting my six hordes because they get in my way. And if I save them to the end, there's nowhere to put them except a bad spot. But they're they're probably a little off center, left and right, and they're flank control. Mm-hmm. And then I want all my shooting dead center. And once again, with the theory being, yep. you can't hurt me till you come to me. If I'm in the right. middle, you got to come to me. I want you to pay for the speed and have to use it. I want to take advantage of it in that your cavalry has to come to the middle mm-hmm. where I then can hurt you. And I guess another thing on this building, I've taken a really serious look at I don't want to pay for speed. I don't want to pay for flying. Because if my opponents do, those are almost useless points. You're going to always charge my goblins. I don't care what you bring. So if you will spend 40 points so you can fly and get there a turn sooner, okay. That's just right. 40 less combat points that you have. Same thing with cavalry and I, and I love setting up in train. I love setting up behind walls and going, I know you're going to hit me. I know you're going to hurt me. I just need you to hurt me a little less. Do you ever play with sharp sticks? No. Just no. No. Well, no why is that? You just don't. It's like a 30-point premium. Mm-hmm. 
like 125 for Rabble, 155 for right. Sharp Sticks, and I'm like, it's not worth the failing because it's worth 30 points. Yeah, it's just that's a lot of points, okay. especially in a Goblin Army. 30 points can buy me a lot. What about uh, first turn, second turn, the, that roll to go first? I've watched a lot of people talk about this, and I hear a lot of people say, "In Kings of War, go first to win." I always go second. Always. Don't care what the scenario is. I have a lot of 12-inch shooting. If I go first, they have no impact on the game for two turns. If you go first and move towards me, they have no impact for one turn. I also love last turn. What can I do to win the game? I have options because I can shoot in a a lot of different directions. I also like for you to show me your hand. You know, and there are some scenarios like loot where you possibly can get that thing on turn one and put me in a bind. But I don't have the army that can go up and take it and hold it. I take it, you charge me, take it away from me, so you've got it. Right. Well, I'd much rather you just go come get it. But now you're within 12 inches of my army on turn one. Everything is hurting you on turn one. And that's a game, loot's a game where I'm usually losing on turn five because I let you get it. You're moving it back. I'm chewing you up. But then my turn six, you got nothing left. And that's a risky way to play, but I like going second. How's the hobby affect your list building? I wanted to work the Minster mobs in my list because I had a, a modeling concept that I liked. And I've got like seven regiments. Yeah, regiments of them. But they really just are not very good. I mean, everybody deals with them easily. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't spend 200 points on a unit that you can just kill. Yeah. I mean, they're defense six from the front, which is great, but they're not very fast. No, five. Right. That's the problem that I have. If they were, if they were faster and could dictate more of the, the matchups, but they don't. I mean, there's, there's infantry that are faster than they are, so. And that's the problem. You hit me, and you do enough wins sometimes to kill me. Sometimes, no. I hit you back. I don't kill you. Then I'm gone. Exactly. And that's against every unit in the game. And I'm like, I can't spend 200 points on a unit that's going to deliver seven or eight. And maybe they should do more than that. You know, they have whatever, 21 plus one attacks. Mm -hmm. Which, when I read that in the rules, 21 plus one means 22. You don't roll six extra attacks, you know, but... And then you hit with half of them, 11. You maybe should wound with three. So you're doing six or seven. I'm like, wow, six or seven wounds is nothing. Not for 200 points. Yeah, not for 200 points. Yeah. You know. Let's talk about your list. Obviously, this isn't going to be heard until after Masters. Let's walk through what's in your Masters list. Six hordes of rabble with uh, the, the mall pups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have three... Four trombones. I have three of uh, the Orc Heavy Catapults. I have three Magic Users. Uh, one with the Zephyr Crown, one with the uh, Boomstick, and one with the Conjurer Staff. Right. I have three Bangets, one with Inspiring Talisman, one with Firewall, and one with Piercing Arrow. I have three Bangets, uh, Wingets, one with the Eye in the Sky. And I dropped the three blasters to take one giant. And he has really been a big deal for me because now you just can't run at me as fast as you can. You have something that can stick him out there and go, okay, I'm going to tie this thing up, whatever it is. It's going to take a minute. 20 nerve, defense five. And he 
hits you like I mean, and, and he can deal with some stuff too. With the you know, generally he'll just go up to the impassable terrain and turn inward, so you can't charge him. Right. But if you try to come towards my army, you're giving him a flank. And that causes all sorts of traffic jam. And that's all I want. Get in front of me and get in your own way. Yep. You're dead. Exactly. So the background on the list, you know, obviously you've been playing goblins for a while, but where did this specific master's list, where did the inception come from? And maybe walk us through the evolution. Well, honestly, this list was the day the new third edition rules came out. With the, it was three blasters, not the giant. Uh, but the last two tournaments, I dropped the blasters because I think they are game-ending, but I can't roll a damn dice. I mean, I have good luck on all my units except for blasters. <laughs> you know, they'll attack from the side and should get six attacks hitting on three. I'll get one hit. Then number of blasts, D6, I'll roll one and do one wound. Yet, mathematically, they should hit four times. There should be 14 hits, and they should do 12 wounds. You know, right. they, I mean, they should just blow a unit off the table, uh, and I just can't can't make it happen. The Giants been far more consistent for me. Dependable. Dependable. Yeah. And he fills a role now. Everybody, nobody's afraid of blasters. And you're just like, do what you want. Well, especially play. the way you roll the dice. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be afraid either. And plus, when you're done, they're dead. Right. The giant has a good turn. He's still alive. You still got to do something with him. So it's really been a good addition. But, you know, I love the the mall piece, mall beast packs. Yeah. Uh, it's 12-inch charge plus D3. Yeah. They're pretty good. But, you know, in order that everybody complained second edition goblin shooting was too good. Let's get rid of bows. And so our fix is, let's make the mall piece so expensive that you can't take them. Right. And I'm like, so if you took the best goblin hand-to-hand on unit and made it worse, you're now telling goblin players, we want you to shoot even right. more. Yeah. And now we're going to give you wingets and bangets to replace those. And I'm like, I still don't understand that because while a Mincer mob was the best goblin hand-to-hand unit, it's not that good compared to anybody else's. Defense three. Right. Uh, you know, 12 attacks. Mm-hmm. So it's going to do eight hits and four wounds. I'm not sure four wounds ends a game. And I don't remember anybody in second edition winning tournaments with Malbase. But, boy, they jumped on that unit with both feet to make sure it was never taken again. And, they, you know, that's – you know, Rob, every now and then hear criticism, Goblin shoot too much. Look at how they wrote the rules. What should a goblin army do? Their hand-to-hand is the worst in the game. Yeah, hitting on fives. Some Window their, crushing. Some so. of their hand-to-hand is you pay a premium. Well, you pay, the luggage, right? Yeah, I, I hit on fours. Yeah. And I have crushing one. Uh, I have a lot of attacks, but my but the, the, the trade-off is on defense three. Yeah. <laughs> right, so. You know, so I'm like, I think the designers of the game said, we want this army to shoot. And we're going to make their shooting options good, and we're going to make their hand-to-hand options bad. So, I mean, you know, when I see some of these other guys trying to play hand-to-hand goblin armies, I'm like, you're fighting uphill. I mean, there are other armies that play hand-to-hand much better than the goblins do. So if that's what you want to do, then don't play goblins. Right, right. Uh, and, and I've always told new players, choose an army that meets your play style. You want a hand-to-hand sledgehammer army, then goblins are not it. You know, so 
And look, Kyle Poole in our region has a fairly hand-to-hand army. Shannon out of Chicago's got a hand-to-hand goblin army. Yeah. George out of the Midwest got sort of a hand-to-hand goblin army. We'll see. Maybe those three guys win the tournament. Maybe. Yeah. But I think I think they have a bigger challenge. Yeah. Because I just don't think the Goblin Army was designed to fight hand-to-hand. Um, so what's, you know, if you're looking through your list, in broad terms, what are the different units' roles? Like, let's start with your rabble. What's the, what's the role of the rabble in the list? Rabble are scoring, and rabble are there to get in the way. That's it. And if you have to kill them in two turns, that gives my shooting a chance to step around them and kill you. Uh, yeah, I've got six rabble units. There's not a lot, but I mean, how many sledgehammers do you have? Maybe not six. Well, I mean, there, there are 20, 21 nerve, right? So even if they're only defense four, they overestimate what a hammer unit. Because I mean, yes, you hit them with a really, really tuned up hammer unit. Yeah, ogre chariots. Yeah, they'll take them out in one go. You've missed a lot of points to kill my 100 and right. whatever, 100 and whatever that is, 115, 100, yeah. 125. 125 points. Of course, there's also a good bit when I see that unit that can kill them on one charge, that's where all my shooting went on the prior turn. The second thing they do is not every army has sledgehammer. Every unit's on a sledgehammer. When you've got some mediocre infantry, my, my rabble will go hand-to-hand with them. Right. And in two or three turns, I might get you. If they kill anything, that's gravy. But they're there to block and control your movement. Then that allows my war machines and all my characters to focus where they want to focus. Right. And while no one of them is that scary collectively... Well, let's talk about the, the battery, right? The, the war engine battery. I usually put the three war trombones behind a horde. Mm-hmm. And if you've got that hammer unit that I just am afraid of, they're right behind it. So come across with your ogre chariot, kill my rabble, and eat 30 war trombones in the face. Right. And then if Hitting they, on fours, piercing, yeah. And if they don't get you, then all the characters can throw in what's needed. Right. I'll trade my 125-point rabble for your 250-point sledgehammer. So it really makes the hand-to-hand quality unit. Where do you come in? Because wherever you come in, the war trombones will be there if you're successful. And if you're not successful, great. I'll let my rabble fight you the whole game. Yeah. You know? So it's sort of a... Their job is to eliminate your most expensive hand-to-hand unit after it's committed. And then what about the rest of... You know, you got your, your rock lavas. They're the terror weapon. They usually do so little... But people will change their deployment to hide from them. And I, I'll be honest with you, I think you just set up and ignore them. If, I if they get, hit, they hit. If I get lucky and can roll all sixes, well, I'm going to beat you no matter what. You know? Right. But there's also games where I'll go, yep, I, they didn't hit a single time. Or they hit and they don't, they don't damage. Lots of ones. <laughs> exactly. Um, they don't have vicious. So. My, this current army does not have range. I do not on turn one kill a unit or two. I may damage a unit, but I'm not going to kill it. I got to get you on my half of the table where all my short range stuff now contributes. Right. Um, the magic users and the bangets and the wingets are nine flexible. Each one probably will do one wound a turn. Not a lot, but all nine of them together, that's nine. Right. I'll make a mediocre nerf test, morale test, you're gone. Yep. 
and they're hard to catch. They're hard to hurt. Um, there's not a lot of lightning bolt on the other side of the table. So a lot of times I just can run around with impunity. And what about the uh, the giant? What's the giant's role? The giant is also there to make you, if you commit a big unit, know you're probably losing it. Awesome. You know, he hides behind an impassable terrain piece, turns sideways, and if you run past him to attack my infantry, he's hitting you in the side or rear. And once again, can your 200, 250, 300-point sledgehammer, you willing to give it away? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you turn to face the giant, you're now giving up a flank or rear to my rabble, which they're pretty damn mediocre, but when you double or triple 25 attacks, they'll surprise Absolutely. you. Absolutely. You know, so it has caused people to have to assault me more carefully. And that's all I need, time. Yeah. Give me time. I can fix things over time. What, what drew you to the goblins? Well... You may have already kind of touched on it, but... Yeah, I, I was an orc player by by nature. Um, that didn't work, so I switched to the goblins in an infantry role, and they were just totally manhandled by every opponent. And so I had a lot of goblins, and I, the shooting made sense. I looked at elves, I looked at the halflings, and I looked at the goblins. And I'm like, the goblins, at that time, I just showed up with all bows. And, okay, okay. 24 inch range. Okay, Rob, I got 280 shots. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. You know, and um, so then when third edition came out, that changed. I, I don't have a single bow now, Marmy. But the other units to me are just fun. I mean, individuals are very challenging to play. Mm-hmm. You play them well, you dominate. You play right. them poorly, you lose. And our group in Birmingham have always been very heavy on characters. We have. I mean, when we go to tournaments, we always feel more characters than anybody else. They don't score, but if they kill your scoring unit, they achieve the same end. Exactly. Um, and let me see. I love the goblin issue. Do you kill my scoring? Do you kill my offense? Right. Because you can't do both at the same time. Right. Um, and I'm bouncing. I've I, I played against my own army just to figure out what's its weaknesses. Well, what, so what does the army struggle with? Individuals, anybody that can inflict their initiative on me. And like I said, the, the dwarf army does a good job. The combination of high armor that can stay back and cavalry that is good and good enough against me has really been a, a challenge. And I think the problem with most players, like I said earlier, they've never seen my army before. And while you can read all you want about it, when it's actually on the table... When the boogeyman shows up, yeah. it's a different animal. It is rare on turn one someone confidently places his units and takes action. It's usually turn three or four, they'll go, wait a minute, I know what I need to do. Well, sometimes it's too late at that point. Right. Uh, now, this is Masters. There's a, a lot of good players. Most of these people have a plan, and they'll implement Well, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face, right? You know, I will, if I win a game, each game will be a struggle. I, I mean, I'm not going to come sit down with you. Hey, I just beat somebody. Yeah. yeah I killed 2,200 points. Who, who will you play tomorrow? I play uh, Donnie in the first round. Oh, from Minnesota? From Minnesota. Okay. Uh, met him for the first time today. We went to lunch. Good. Great guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's got a good army. He can, he can beat me. He needs... 
not to have bad luck. I mean, if the first time I shoot at something, I roll a box car to get rid of it, and I get ahead of the curve, yeah. But if it, I, there are other armies I'd rather play. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I like, I love the slow foot armies because I mean that's just infantry slogging across the table, duking it out. And because then all I need is average die rolling. Exactly. And you know, and um, not that average die rolling ever happens. I mean, it, it always amazes me. It's easier to roll a five than a four. In your army, what's the best unit? Always the wingets. Always the wingets. That, is that your favorite unit as well? Yeah. I think everything I do, every turn, is based around the wingets. Right. If I stick their neck out, I'm going to move something else in front to protect them. Right. If, if I sacrifice one, I'm going to get something really big in return. Uh, if there's a place they can go where they can hurt you without getting hurt, that's where they go. I mean, so the wingets are the first thing I worry about in moving because they, so so they they seem like your most flexible. You know, our flexible. Yeah. Well, what unit is the exact opposite? The one that has a very specific role and maybe uh, it's more situational. You know, the catapults. There are games I set them up poorly and they don't do a wing. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't affect my game. The catapults are the cherry on the Sunday. You know, when they have a good game, I, I mean... That's just icing on the cake at that point, yeah. Um, it just makes the margin that much bigger. The bangets, turn one and two, they rarely are in range. Right. And the turn they kill something, they're rarely in range the next turn. So there's usually half the game they don't contribute. I don't know have a, I don't have a good replacement for them. I mean, they're good at times, but they don't... There have been games where we've tracked damage... The bangets always create the least amount of damage during the game. The wingets create a lot. Well, and you got the one with eye in the sky, which helps too. Yeah. You, know, you know, in theory, you don't roll a lot of ones. <laughs> I roll a lot of ones. I don't roll a lot of sixes or fives to back up. But now I, I will. I will say that my mind is off skewed. I play uh, Nathan Clevenger every week mm-hmm. with his. Um, Oh, shoot. Um, Night Stalkers. Yeah. So he's, I'm hitting him on a six. Right, because you're stealthy. And yeah. so when I start playing people, I hit them on a five, I feel like it's Christmas. Exactly. So scenario-wise, what's the scenario when you hear it, you're like, ooh, I'm going to win this game. This is What's Con- the control? Control. Control is every aspect of it is generally to my advantage. Right. And there may be somebody here who feels the same, but I'm like, I can sit on my back table edge. You can't hurt me for three or four turns. Mm-hmm. You're running across the board. I'm just picking off whatever I want to pick off. And even when you get there, my unit strength's probably much more than yours. Right. And, you know, it's just that I love I love that one. What's the negative one? What's the one you're like, oh, I well, you kind of mentioned loot. What's another one that you don't really enjoy? Loot is one that somebody's going to outsmart me. Yeah. At Axe Grinder, I played a, a, a guy... Uh, who came forward with all this stuff. He had had, uh, four shamblers, so they were on the objective before the game started, Yeah, which I expected. Turn one, they went forward and charged my army. And then his, I can't remember if they were unicorns or pegasus, he had three of them, flew diagonally, landed on all three objectives, and turned 90 degrees, so he was facing diagonal back towards his side. And I realized that in turn one, he had three flyers facing away from my army with all three tokens. Yeah. And I'm like, that was well done. Yeah. Now, But you still beat him. I still beat him. Yeah. 
but I mean, he outsmarted me. Yeah. He outplayed me. He did a great job. But uh, so that's the one where I, someone's going to burn me on, but dominate probably. The wrong army. I'll give you the scenario. There's a hill on your side near the center, mm-hmm. and you hide your whole army behind the hill. You can't see it. And on turn six, you move all your unit strength into the middle. Right. Nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Now, maybe I move my goblins forward. Well, that's exactly what you want. Yeah. I mean, one turn, you move up on top of the hill, and we fight hand-to-hand, and you butcher me. Right. So, dominate with the wrong board. Yeah. I, I could lose to 63 people here if that hill is in the wrong spot. Right. And they get their choice of table side. Absolutely. And, and so, that's what I love. I mean, there's. I'm well aware I could get my ass kicked <laughs> every single game. I'm going to try to avoid that, but... Um, what about armies matchups? What, what armies do you... You talked about dwarves giving you a fits. What other armies give you difficulty? The Night Stalkers, because of their stealthy. I have an advantage. I've probably played 80 Night Stalker games in the well, last yeah. few years. And did he, did he, is Nathan playing Night Stalkers just to piss you off? Yes. Okay. And he beats me probably more than half the time. But that is... When I'm playing any other Night Stalker, I, I just know it in, by intuition what to do because I've seen it so many times. Right. And I'm sorry, I just went brain dead on, on the guy from the West. Joey Greek? No, uh, no, West. With the Goblin Mirror Match. Oh, Travis. Travis. Mm-hmm. Our armies are so similar. I don't think either one of us has an advantage over the other. Just come down to dice, maybe. And, and maybe somebody makes a good decision, and maybe somebody doesn't. So that I would have no advantage against him. So I would have to outplay him. Yeah. Uh, that would be a, a, a nightmare matchup. Uh, the the Aloha Army with all the flyers. Get his name. The Aloha Army. Yeah. Grant Fetter. Grant. I have played that army. I don't think I don't think it was against Grant, but I've played against that army a couple times. That's a handful. You know, we talked about Drugatti. Yeah. With his uh, dwarf cavalry. I mean, I think there's like seven units of it, maybe several regiments and a couple mm-hmm. of troops. And it's just like, okay, I'm in your face. Shoot me. Right. Okay, I killed one. And, I mean, I'll lose almost every rabble unit on turn two. And then it's can I shoot him off. But uh, that's a tough matchup. What's a good matchup? Ogres. Ogres are probably my best matchup. All their, everything about them is just good for me. Yeah. Any army that's taller than me. Yeah. I mean, if, if your height three or better, I pretty much can do what I what I need to do. If you had to cut this list to 2,000 points, what would get cut? I would lose a giant, and I would lose probably some of my war gear. And if you had to go to 2,500, what would you add? Well, that's what we just did. That's easy. I would add Kuzlo and uh, one rabble regiment. Gotcha. I don't know if you've heard this before. We have 10 questions. Rapid fire. So I'm going to hit it, and you just give us whatever pops in your head. Are you ready? Yes. All right. What's your favorite army? Goblins. What's your least favorite scenario? Dominate. What drives you creatively or competitively? Competitively. When your opponent rolls snake eyes. You know, that that, that one's tough. Because if it's an important game, you sort of feel like you're cheating him. But I didn't roll it. He did. You know, and, and then when... But when I roll it... So when you roll Snake Eyes? I instantly get super frustrated. And if I'm on my game, I will take a deep breath and move on. Because it's just part of the game. What is your favorite hobby material? Hobby material. 
Oh, my Dremel. My, I have a new electric Dremel that actually has a light on it. Well, that's awesome. It is It is 100 times more than I need, but it's fun having 100 settings. What is your biggest gaming pet peeve? When someone picks up a unit, holds it against their chest, and then tells me what they're going to do with it. Without marking it. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, most of the good players will say, I intend to do this. And you go, Yes. No, and here's why. But when yeah. they snatch it up, and then they go, okay, well, I'll put it back. But you don't know where it was. Yeah. You know, like, hey, I remember that unit being behind the hill, not in front of the hill. And I, I mean, oh, yeah, that, that drives me crazy. If you had to replace miniature wargaming with another hobby, what would it be? Probably computer wargaming. Or what other miniature wargame would you not want to play? I tried to get back in the 40K when it came out. The ninth edition? Eight, ninth edition. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a horrible game. If you had a romantic evening with Ronnie Renton, what would you whisper sweetly to him? That's a great question. Cut the cost of um, mall beast. <laughs> Make them viable. Make them cheaper. Okay. Well, especially if you want if you want goblin armies to be a little bit more balanced, give a hand to hand option that is at least possible. Mm-hmm. It's been fun, Jeff. You got any shout outs? Uh, I had fun. Yeah, I certainly appreciate all my gaming group. Sean Williams and, and Ryan and Nate, uh, we play a lot, and we play hard against each other. I mean, people at our local game shop will watch us playing like, are y'all mad at each other? Like, no. <laughs> but, you know, I think Sean's always said, steel sharpens steel. And iron play, sharpens iron, yeah. I've, I think you guys have shirts made with that at one time. And if you play good competition every week, mm-hmm. then coming to Masters is, I mean, I play three Master-level players, people that have been the Masters. Mm-hmm every weekend yeah so while these players here are great the shock factor won't be as great because I, I see that all the time you know I also appreciate our Southeast Gaming Group we've got some have a good, creative good, minds yeah but a good collection of groups and we've got some young folks coming up we've got some new folks that are getting better so and I appreciate the TOs that run the tournaments I mean I am so glad to be here <laughs> and while I'll be frustrated if I go 0-6 I would be more frustrated if I was at home working in the office. So for me, this is this is the best thing possible. Awesome. And, and Drew just sat down again, Drew Gaddy. Like as long as I don't have to play him, I'm on. I'd You're be, doing fine. Yeah, I'd be good because he has. I told him earlier, you've whipped my ass four times in a row, but I out die rolled you. Well, sometimes that's all you need to do. <laughs> when you invest in weighted dice, you got to get a return on it. Absolutely. I've used those. (laughs) I've enjoyed playing the game, and we have a great group regionally and nationally. I think you and I talked about it earlier. I think people need to be honest with themselves. I I get frustrated hearing people go, I don't care if I win or lose, but I hate you because I lost. (laughs) I'm like, how do you reconcile those two comments? There is nothing wrong with trying to win a game yeah. at a tournament. That's what we're there for. Right. And give them your best shot. But then when the game's over, smile and shake hands. I mean, I see these – there's people here I've seen now a hundred times. I want them to be tolerant of me when I walk in the room. Yeah. You know, and that would probably be my, my one pet peeve is if you're that competitive, be honest with yourself. And be competitive. That's and there's okay. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. What's your prediction for the weekend? How are you going to do? You're my second best friend, brother. You want the politically correct answer? I want both. We want both. Let's start with the politically correct answer. The politically correct answer would be, I hope I go four and two. Four and two. Or better. Okay. Realistically, I've gone five and one both times. 
that's probably where probably I'm going to end up. Because I think over a six-game tournament against this level of players, there's going to be one game that just didn't go my way. And I, But I would say that for every – I don't think there's anybody here that that guy's going 6-0. Exactly. I think 6-0 will happen mathematically because there's 64 players. But that guy's going to need – or that gal they need luck. Need they need luck. some luck. Yeah. You know, and uh, – and if I go home five and one, I'll be ecstatic. Four and two, though, is no shame at Masters. Absolutely. I mean, that's. And if I go worse than four and two, then I'll probably learn a lot and be better on for the next tournament. And that's sort of when you have a, a failure, you got to look. What can I do better? And, and be honest, most of this army came out of failure. Well, well, you learn more from a loss than you do from a win. Exactly. Exactly. Jeff, I appreciate the time. It's Rob, been fun. It's been fun. Thank you, sir. Now, what you need to do is take notes and interview me after Sunday. Oh, we will. And say, now, you said you would go four and two, and you went two and four. What happened, dude? Or- well, I don't know if that's going to be the case, because you went five and one the last few of them. So, thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. For listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.